This podcast is sponsored by Aurora Packaging Solutions, a global packaging solutions provider leading the transition to a more sustainably packaged future. They specialize in developing packaging and visual communication solutions that reduce the impact on the environment and bring sustainability goals to life. With a focus on partnership and service, they create a custom solution for your business. To learn more, please visit www.orapackaging.com. Welcome to Sustainable Packaging with Corey Connors. Today's guest is my friend, Mr. Casey Nakamura, who works at Johnson & Johnson Vision as a senior package engineer. How are you, Casey? I'm doing well, Corey. How are you? Good, man. You're live from an event. Let's talk about that. Where, yes. where are you at? I am in Austin, Texas at The Packout. <laughs> That's excellent. I've heard really good things about that show. We'll mention that a little bit later. But first, let's go back to your background. What got you into sustainable packaging? Well, really, it was packaging. I am a Cal Poly Mustang packaging <laughs> grad, and I've got to represent yeah. And I've been in the packaging industry straight and straight out of school. So over over 10 years now. Um, wow. And I've been in CPG goods doing yeah. I was in Corgate and folding carton for a number of years on the supplier side. And then I oh. kind of moved into I made the jump over to manufacturing and now in in the last 5 plus years been in the med tech medical device mm-hmm. industry doing uh, packaging and labeling. And that's a very difficult area of the world of packaging to be sustainable in, <laughs> to be yeah. very honest. I've had struggles with that because they the requirements are for oftentimes virgin material, oftentimes very thick plastics, very heavy yeah. weight plastics. Can you speak speak to that a little bit with the challenges related to that? Yeah, it, you know, we work with a lot of sterile barrier systems and talk about traceability of where all our components come from. Those are requirements stemming from ISO 11607 and other ones as well. So there's a lot of challenges in being sustainable and trying to source sustainable, you know, resources to use mm-hmm. in your packaging. You know, then there's a lot of work in trying to open up those avenues. And, you know, we, we focus on, you know, where can we get FSE board? Where do we, where can we control that within our supply chain and document it and show traceability? So it's the, I think from a medical device industry perspective, you know, there are other ways that we can focus on our sustainability, not necessarily just from the materials of construction standpoint where we can leverage, but of course that's a big, that's a big part of it. And really once we can incorporate that, then it's going to allow for the industry to accept more you know, recycled content. But right. there's a lot. There's a lot of discussion here at this event right now that is about advanced recycling and breaking, you know, breaking down plastics to their base level, and then being able to rebuild them, incorporate that into with your virgin to in a mass balance your product and your packaging. So. That's a, there's a lot of innovation happening yeah. that's going to it's going to come to the medical device industry. That's fascinating. I've heard a lot of mixed feelings about advanced recycling or as some people call it chemical recycling. Yeah. I'd love to know your thoughts if you're comfortable sharing what you think of it as a sustainable option. Well, I think it's one thing it has the potential to really divert, you know, waste stream 
as well as, you know, prevent, you know, we don't have to go get it. We don't have to pull more fossil fuels. So right. it is, I think the industry itself needs to scale up to accommodate that as well as the, the ability to capture the waste that's being out there to repurpose accordingly. Right. Or I think it's still just so new. A lot of the technologies are newer and you know, trying to complement existing like mechanical recycling efforts. So there's this needs to be more development and it it's a it's been a process. But I think it, yeah. it definitely it has its place and it's building out its niche where it will allow us to utilize more of what's already been used in the industry. So right. it's a step in the right direction, but it's not the end all, you know, it's I don't know if there is anything that's truly going to be the main sustainability. Like this is right. it. This is the, the end goal. You know, it's going to be unicorn. a combination. Yeah. <laughs> the unicorn doesn't exist, especially not with <laughs> medical device packaging, which it right. does. But, you know, I got faith. Maybe one day technology can advance to that point. So. I hope so too. And I'm amazed what's happened just in the last three years and the last two years, even doing this show. I've learned so much about the efforts being made in the world of sustainable packaging but I, when I think of vision packaging, I yes. think of contacts. My wife wears contacts and she gets these individually packaged sets of contacts that she has to replace. And is that the main focus of your division, contacts? Contacts. So vision, J Vision is a variety of different brands and products. Contact lenses is the largest part of that. Uh, and I, And we have engineers that focus specifically on those products. The other half of the business in J Vision is for cataract surgery. Oh, wow. So, and that is involves implantable devices called interocular lenses. There are a few other product lines within that umbrella that include refractive laser surgery. So like a LASIK wow. type procedures for vision correction, as well as uh, treatments for glaucoma uh, and dry eye as well. Fascinating. So you, your company would provide the packaged materials for the doctors and nurses that would perform the surgical procedures. Yes. Yeah. Incredible. <laughs> I didn't even thought of that as something that needs to be done. That's amazing. Uh, now you work for a big company, right? So you, I do. you have the opportunity to work with some of the cutting edge technologies in the world of packaging do you feel like those resources have allowed you and your team to to make some innovations in the sustainability? Yes, I'd say mostly there's a J&J is such a large organization and we have we're one, you know, one operating company amongst plethora all in different segments of right. medical device and even pharmaceutical. Right. J&J has had has their consumer business and that's becoming Kenview and um so being such a large organization does enable communication and knowledge sharing there there's been more efforts i think a lot of the challenges during covid and things like that impacted the ability to connect i think impacted everybody yeah. but now what we've done and and a little bit taking a, one step back is i my organization was acquired in 2018 um so it took a couple years in order to really be brought into the larger jnj medical device family. And so okay. we had to bridge the gaps and make the connections, but really, you know, and then they wait to a couple of years and then COVID kind of right. <laughs> unfortunately hampered those, that those opportunities. 
But now, so I'm working more cross-functionally with other engineers and other other operating companies within J&J, where right. we're able to share methods, um, you know, look at innovations. There's a working on, from a larger perspective, we've developed a sustainability team, you know, where we can kind of harmonize about what we're doing in our specific companies. Right. So, so we can at least get more aligned and understand, oh, what are you doing in, in this organization? And then, oh, how can I apply that to mine? And where can we find value and in, in promote sustainability within our projects? And I'm sure like most companies, and I apologize for not looking it up specifically, but most companies have sustainability goals that they're trying to attain. And has your corporate team reached out to you to kind of see what you're doing to help that goal? Yeah, there are a number of different goals that have been established, but they we're, what we're working right now is and is generating what are the realistic expectations of those right. and the quant, how do you quantify that? You know, how do you, how can you can you really quantify and then ultimately communicate, you know, what are the, what are the goals? How can we hit them? What's the plan for doing that? And you know, ultimately like the overall benefits. Um, one, one example is I'm on the team that's trying to leverage EIFU. So I, one of my responsibilities is running our EIFU program. And with that, we're going through product by product line and identifying where we can remove the, the paper instructions to use and provide it electronically. So we've identified, we have product specific for a certain country where it's eligible and we can go through, oh, well, as long as we have our testing or validation in place and justify that the package is would be fine without a paper, then we can justify to our health authority that we don't need it. And we now have a digital option to present that to the customer. So That's um, amazing. What does EIFU stand for, just for our knowledge here? Yeah, EIFU, it, by definition, is, an, is electronic instructions for use. And it's provide, and you can provide the instructions used electronically, and for the most part, that's done via a website. And so, within J and J, we have a specific platform that is open to our customers, so they can go online and access the instructions for their device. So maybe a QR code or a UPC, or like you said, just a printed website for people to research. Yeah, the use of QR codes in MedDevice is still, we have a, it's not been popularized or used as, as much. I think there's more opportunity to use it. Right now, the guidance on this, the symbol and the usability is just indicates you need to have your consult instructions for you symbol with a URL. And that, that provides, indicates to your customers. In this case, majority of our customers from the surgical side are healthcare professionals. They'll understand that symbol and the URLs where I can access and find my my instructions. Exciting. I, I spend a lot of time at Waste Expo with a friend of mine, mm-hmm. Mikey Prosciutto, that founded a company called Scrap. Okay. And what they do is they work with hospitals and with regular people to help sort packaging so that it actually gets recycled in the right way with the right material. So I'm wondering if that can help J and J maybe at the hospital level. So yeah, things know, to consider there. Definitely, I know, and there's probably there's some other. I think there's the, 
I know it's HPRC Healthcare Packaging, I think Recycling Council, or there's an or- that, that organization as well as in others and other, whether they're MDMs or they're more suppliers mm-hmm. for them, are really looking at, to, at how to set up, how hospitals can set up recycling for all these, really all this packaging that they end yeah. up going through. Um, so there's a definite opportunity there. That, and that's going to lead into, you know, diverting it to the appropriate recycling stream. So, Like you said, huge potential there. And it's been a real challenge for many years because it's essentially been treated as toxic waste and hazardous materials. And, right, right. you know, which which makes sense because we're dealing with blood and different medical, you know, materials that are right. not safe for everyone to, to be touching. But I'd love to know some of your thoughts on maybe some current trends in packaging that you think are in particular sustainable packaging, of course, that are exciting to you. Well, I think I already mentioned, right? Being able to remove, anytime you can remove paper and simplify your product configuration, you know, that's just been the really enabling factor of like, I I have, you know, I have the ability and we have the system in place to enable that. So lightweighting, I've worked on a project where actually consolidated. We had a, we have a labeling project where we had six different labels able to go down. I was able to redesign, go down to one label uh, right. for all these products. So really trying to any project that simplifies the supply chain, you know, mm-hmm. we know how challenging it, things can be given the last couple of years. Yeah. Uh, and building, being able to build in resiliency are all these trends that we need to constantly be aware of and really looking for those opportunities. And you have to find them. It's not always going to, pre- it's not going to present itself. <laughs> Very true. So you definitely need to constantly be looking at, you know, and reevaluating where your supply chain or your value, you can add value. Right. I'd love to know your thoughts on reusable packaging. Do you see a future there for sustainability? I do see a future there. Unfortunately, it's in a sterile packaging world. Yeah. It's not much of a future. Uh, <laughs> right. Now, we do have some closed loop systems that we use that, well, for example, here, the one that we use is we have product that gets fully packaged and then put into uh, reusable uh, totes, in essence, or they're all really stainless steel baskets. And then that product is sent for sterilization. Right. And then it gets sent back and then it gets, and then it gets packed, you know, put in a carton and packed out for the unit load. So, okay. you know, in a closed loop, and there are certain closed loop systems where reusable packaging definitely has its, has its place and value. Unfortunately, when you're getting into that more, you know, full distribution model and you got product shipping out the door, sending everything back doesn't always is not really set up yet or, or yeah. right. And, you know, there are a lot of our products though, they will get you know, palletized and then shipped to a distribution center. Right. I don't right. see the DC sending back corrugate <laughs> to be used, unfortunately, especially right. when it's shipped across the world, Yeah, you know, or even our, our capital equipment, you know, I don't think I've ever heard of a customer shipping back a crate that we can reuse. So, yeah. It has to make sense, right. It has to be appropriate. Yeah. Well, for the people watching on YouTube, they've been probably totally confused by your background. <laughs> but, and for those listening, Casey's background is a swimming pool. And it's a really cool underwater picture. But you've got to explain to us why you chose that background and tell us 
what is underwater hockey? <laughs> what is underwater hockey? All right. Well, <laughs> underwater hockey is a sport played on the bottom of a swimming pool. So <laughs> I have spent a lot of my life being underwater. So definitely felt this picture was appropriate to showcase. And more specifically, been underwater a lot as I have been training to play this sport at the highest level. I uh -huh. am competing for Team USA uh, in the World Championships this summer. Amazing. So, yeah. But underwater hockey, it's played at the bottom of the pool. You have a lead-weighted puck that's coated in plastic, and <laughs> it weighs about three pounds. And the players, uh, they wear a dive mask. They have a snorkel so they could breathe and watch the play. And they have flippers on and use a short stick, and they hold their breath. And they dive down to the bottom of the pool <laughs> and then push the puck along the pool bottom, trying to put the puck in the goal. So you're defending yours on your side of the pool. And then on the other side is the one you're trying to score in. So it's amazing. Yeah. It is, there's nothing, no other sport like it. No other sport where you actively are holding your breath while playing, yeah. um, let alone fully submerged underwater. So. Yeah, that that's a great point. Even with water polo, you're above the water at least. And yes, you have to swim, which is yeah. incredibly challenging. But to do it fully underwater is amazing. And congratulations for being chosen to the USA Team USA and for representing us. We appreciate it. Yeah, no, no worries. So yeah, that's Sorry. what keeps me in shape. Keep you know, it it helps keep me focused. I you dive under the water. I'm not thinking about packaging, right? Like I can get a little escape and I yeah. can focus on playing with my teammates and of course, scoring, scoring goals. <laughs> yeah. Are you, what's your position? Are you a forward or a mid or is, is that, how do yeah. they do it? I am a forward. Hmm. So at the high elite, elite level, I am a forward attacker uh, yeah. where you, we do have, we have kind of a tier, we have a formation and mm -hmm. it's six on six in the water. Okay. But then you also have four subs. So it's ultimately teams are 10 on 10. But you have, we have a forwards, we have a midline, and then typically what we call stopper. In, mm. in essence, a goalie, but they don't need to stay in, in the goal. No one, you know, the puck, it, it moves fast because someone's swimming and pushing it real fast. Right, right. Uh, but then you have, you know, a cycle of players uh, coming up and down to get, you know, they're getting air, they're coming back down, being positioned to steal the puck or receive the pass so you can keep swimming with it and then pass it off to a teammate. Incredible. Um, so, so it's a, a encourage someone to go on YouTube and check it out. I was just going to ask, what's the best way for people to, to watch and to see you do this? Yeah. So there's a number of YouTube channels, specifically there's one called Atlanta Sports. And you can, if you search underwater hockey on YouTube, you're going to find all sorts of videos from all over the world. It is a full international sport and started in the UK in the 1950s and then spread all over the world. But, really amazing. Uh, yeah. YouTube is your best spot, specifically in a month from now. And so the June 9, 10 weekend is the U.S. Nationals championship and that will be fully streamed to youtube as well as ultimately in july when the world champions championships will be happening it'll be streamed to youtube what part of the world will, you, will that be competed in it's in gold coast australia oh wow yeah for i mean for the u.s one. Oh, the u.s tournament is actually happening in minnesota oh, okay yeah st paul or i guess it's university of minnesota is the hosting as the club that plays there, they play at that college pool. 
Mm. So that's where they're hosting the tournament. Well, at least it's not the winner. That's good. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Winter time, I try and invite those players to come to Southern California and play in my outdoor pool. So (laughs) (laughs) I bet that's an enticing idea for them, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. They get some SoCal sunshine. Yeah. They have, they, number of them take advantage every year. So, (laughs) right. Well, this has been awesome, Casey. Thank you for your wisdom. Enjoy the rest of your time at the Packout event there in Austin, Texas. And any last things you wanted to mention before we close out? No, I definitely, Corey, thank you for having me on the show. You know, and I think it's just, we always need to continue to keep thinking, how can we continue to be sustainable and reevaluating that perspective and refreshing it. And when you get new information, new ideas, reapplying, it's, it's really, I think it's developing a way of being able to think about it and and consistently and to constantly being able to reapply. You know, we got to yeah. be circular in that in order to continue moving forward. So Very true. Very well said. Things are changing constantly, and we need to be able to adapt. Well said. Well, thanks, Casey. And I'd like to thank Aurora North America Packaging for sponsoring this show. Really appreciate that. If you're listening, make sure you subscribe so you don't miss the next episode, and stay tuned for more. This episode is sponsored by Specrite, the first purpose-built platform for specification management. So much has changed when it comes to packaging, and there's a new book to help you stay ahead of the curve, The Evolution of Products and Packaging, written by longtime packaging executive, Mr. Matthew Wright, helps you unpack industry trends and explains how you can use data to drive packaging, innovation, and sustainability. Download your free copy today at specrite.com backslash book. That's S-P-E-C-R-I-G-H-T dot com backslash book.